Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Loughlin. I'm Justin Grant. And I'm Maddie Cassidy. And today we are recording an episode because Maddie got an email that she couldn't answer confidently. It's true. I couldn't. And we said, who can answer this question? And luckily, we have one of the most qualified people on our internal staff to answer this question. So Sherry Clark is the brand manager for Best Aquaculture Practices Certification Program, which is a part of GAA, where we work. But Sherry is also a registered dietitian, and that's kind of the field that she has spent a lot of her career in, and she knows a lot, a lot about it. So she agreed to join us and came on and talked to us about why exactly consumers and the public doesn't feel as comfortable with cooking seafood at home. Yeah, we really appreciate Sherry coming on. We've had her on the show before in one of our members-only episodes, and I think we will probably release that episode out into the the wild uh, sometime soon as well. But you've heard her voice on some of our earlier episodes. Sherry is just a lovely woman who has a lot of knowledge and does her due diligence. I mean, she comes to these things. She wasn't prepared for this at all, and she's still pulling out facts that she had stuff written down, and you know, she's always ready. Um, so we like the best. We, we love when she joins us, and uh, I, I think you guys are going to enjoy the conversation as well. So it's a it it's kind of quick, but you know I think you'll I think you'll get a lot out of it. So thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you at the end. Welcome to the Aquademia podcast. Our diet is hurting the environment in myriad ways. I mean, we desperately need to eat more seafood. This is a pioneering industry with a whole lot of people who have really good ideas and a lot of experience and are unafraid. Aquademia is your go-to podcast for a fresh take on all things seafood. So a few weeks ago, we got an email from one of our members who was asking if we have any data or information on why exactly consumers are less likely to try cooking seafood at home. And I think it's really important for the seafood industry to help the public feel more comfortable with cooking seafood in their homes because this is definitely a prevalent issue. And I think it's something that a lot of people face that they don't feel totally comfortable or confident with picking out seafood and that kind of thing. So Sherry, I'm wondering, since you have this background, if you have any knowledge or information on why exactly people don't feel as comfortable with cooking seafood at home as opposed to a restaurant. Sure, absolutely. We we definitely have more information about the trends in the United States, given that that's where our headquarters are located. Um, and most recently, the Food Marketing Institute survey found out that 56% of American consumers eat seafood twice a month, and that includes canned or pouched. And only one in five adults can be classified as a frequent seafood eater, meaning that they eat seafood two times a week. Now, I will have to point out that there's good news. There was uh, a report that American seafood consumption is the highest that it's been since 2007. So although the protein is consumed less prevalently than maybe uh, chicken or pork or beef, it is on the rise. So the efforts that we're doing are paying off and we can continue to do more. One thing to note too, when you talk about marketing efforts, 
the seafood industry doesn't have a specific organization that dedicates all of its time to marketing seafood. So um, as a whole, as a whole, exactly as a whole. So we, um, we certainly do, you know, do our best to try to get the word out about the benefits of seafood as a, as a nonprofit here at the Global Aquaculture Alliance. And there are certainly other organizations like the Seafood Nutrition Partnership and even Pinterest, if you want to find out ways to to prepare seafood. But uh, we want to continue to make the consumer feel more comfortable about purchasing and consuming seafood, both in restaurants and at home, because ultimately increased consumption is our goal. We know that the health benefits justify us marketing, um, marketing this excellent protein. And also we want to make sure that, that consumers feel comfortable. So shellfish tends to be more costly. So some consumers are more, um, more likely to consume that in a restaurant than they are than they do at home. And that was a study that was, was done by the NPD group um, out of Chicago. Um, but some of the reasons why uh, consumers tend to eat more seafood in a restaurant than they do at home, and it, it, one of the reasons is the cost can be a concern. As a protein, and, and you know, overall, it, it's a more expensive protein than, say, uh, than uh, poultry or perhaps beef. And also, uh, cooking it can be rather intimidating. So finding easy, uh, quick ways to, to prepare seafood at home will definitely be a solution that will help increase consumption and, and improve the comfort level. The other thing is, you know, some people have had a bad experience with tasting fish and fish tastes like fish. So finding ways to either enhance the flavor or try a different species that maybe will have a different flavor profile to improve the acceptability. Um, but there's many, there are many ways that consumers can increase their seafood consumption and try to get the recommended uh, servings of eight ounces per week, which in fact is not a huge amount when you think about the size of a deck of cards. That is a serving. Most people probably eat eight ounces in one in one serving, so that would be your, your serving for the week, especially if you go to a restaurant. Serving, serving sizes are much larger. So when you break it down to the actual serving size, you realize to get, the, get to maximize the health benefits, that serving size is not that large. Um, so how can you do it? Well, if you're concerned about cost, one way to do that is, is by buying frozen or if it's a wild fish to buy in season, that tends to help with price. Um, but buying frozen or canned or in pouches, um, that can help in a couple of different ways. One being it allows you the flexibility with your meal planning. You don't have to prepare it within a day or two as you might with fresh. And you can keep it in the freezer. Um, and you have many different options when you think about the availability of, of the flavored value-added products in the freezer case or the fresh case um, these days. But but the frozen is the one that can definitely give you the shelf life, as can the canned and the pouches. There are definitely preparation methods that you can see on the back of the package. A lot of suppliers are helping try to give you menu ideas for ways you can extend this, this meal or use the same product in a couple of different ways. Um, maybe it's on top of a salad. Maybe it's as the center of plate option. Maybe it's on top of a pasta. Um, maybe it's in a fish sandwich. Just different ways to use these, these value-added frozen products. When you think about fresh, something that is easy, and another thing, if it doesn't if it doesn't smell when you're preparing it, cooking seafood on the grill is one option. Where you're cooking it outside, your your house is not going to smell like fish. <laughs> um, salt, pepper, and lemon juice go a long way with almost any species. Um, and then you can add dipping sauces or finishing sauces depending on your taste preferences or your family taste preferences. I have one that I keep on hand. It's a sesame ginger teriyaki sauce. 
And it's great because you can add that to your fish and also to a steamed broccoli or a steamed rice. Um, and you've got a complete meal in less than 20 minutes. And as a mom of four, if I can serve something that everybody's going to eat and it's healthy, it's a win-win. Some other options that you can do, so dipping sauces, marinades, finishing sauces for fresh or frozen that's been thawed according to the package directions. Or you can go to maybe the section in your grocery store where you have breading, uh, different breadings. And there's seafood options, like um, I've got a seafood bake, it's called Lemon Dill Seafood Bake, where you just add a butter and I think, yeah, just butter, lemon, and, um, and the seafood topping. And it's, again, easy in less than 30 minutes. So that's, that's another way to do it. And if you think about um, trying things in a restaurant to see if you like it and then attempting to prepare at home. So that takes a little bit of the risk out. If you know that you like it, maybe you want to invest in it. If you look at the regionality and seafood consumption, it tends to be a little bit greater along the coast because of the accessibility and the availability of, of fresh seafood. But certainly the availability, you know, given the distribution methods has improved greatly over the years. So um, that has improved. And for most, if you're not in a very rural community, it can, can have access to, to fresh seafood um, that can be shipped. So that's the good news. Um, but yes. Sure, you mentioned convenience when you're talking about these recipes. And I think that you're right, that that can be a huge barrier because when you think of preparing a seafood dish, it just for some reason to some people might seem like so much more effort than preparing chicken or yeah. beef because it's people are more familiar with it and they grew up eating it probably. So it's even though it might be the same amount of preparation time, it seems like seafood for some reason is more effort. Do you agree I, with that? I'm curious where the um, intimidation comes from. Because I have it too. I mean, I, I'm very comfortable throwing a steak on the grill or or pan frying chicken or whatever. Like, no question. But then if I'm doing fish, I'm like looking at a recipe and I'm reading each line like 10 times to make sure I do everything exactly step by step. <laughs> and I don't know why or where that intimidation comes from it just seems easier to screw up i guess i'm not i'm not sure why because it's pretty easy to screw up a steak <laughs> you know and you can try it out and the same is true but you're right but if you think about it, you could make you make tacos with chicken or beef you can make fish tacos you know mm -hmm. you can make a pasta with chicken you can just as easily add seafood and if, if you're using cod or, or fresh seafood it actually cooks faster Right. And so it, it is super easy. But I think one thing I learned, um, I worked for a supplier for several years, and we had the benefit of having our seafood prepared by our research and development technicians. And so, you know, another thing when you think about preparing, if you, if you put it on a piece of aluminum foil, if it's a breaded item, it makes it easy to clean up, and it helps it get crunchy. So using your aluminum foil, sometimes the instructions include that. But if it's, if it's a fresh or a frozen, like if you use a glass baking dish with just a little bit of water, it almost steams and it keeps that moisture in there. Well, then you've got your lemon, your salt and pepper. So it can be very easy. And lately I've been cooking um, at home every night. <laughs> so it's definitely been a time for experimentation and mm -hmm. trying new things to keep things exciting where you used to go out for dinner to try to get new ideas. Um, trying to be more creative at home and add variety and try new things and add new flavors. So keeping those sauces and marinades and, and we've got 
a couple of value-added protein uh, fish options in our freezer. I keep beer battered, beer battered fish um, in the freezer at all times. That's what my children call kid fish. And it's a good introduction to children where they, it's got a kind of a sweet coating system. So that's what the, what the beer delivers. And then it's a great way to introduce them if there's no food allergies in the family and it's a safe protein. Um, it's to, a great to way to introduce them to beer, right? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. It, when, they're, when they're 21, introduce exactly, them. Exactly, exactly. And then Parmesan <laughs> crusted um, tilapia is another one that I keep on hand because again, it's a mild flavored, a mild fish. It's a coating system that you're familiar with because it tends to have an Italian flair. If you serve it over like an angel hair pasta with a little marinara, it's, it's delicious and simple. So I do think a lot of intimidation comes from the fact that a lot of people don't grow up unless you're, you grow up on the coast. You don't grow up eating seafood regularly. I know I didn't. I grew up with, you know, very limited seafood. Um, and for us, it was a treat to go out and get, you know, on birthdays, but it wasn't something you would eat at home. So I didn't have the, I had to teach myself or, um, go to cooking classes and also learn through working in a seafood company, um, which was very eye opening for me, how, you know, it could be so, so simple. They make it look so simple and it's given me the confidence. So one thing that I like to do as a dietitian and, you know, working for GAA is just try to share the love for seafood and, and the benefits of the seafood and, and try to increase the comfort level for consumers and also people selling the seafood um, because, you know, educating the seafood counter personnel is another, another opportunity for us to try to help people talk about seafood and give simple tips for preparation. So that's something that we strive to do as well, just serve as a resource. So why is it that all the other proteins have been able to kind of come together and have this big marketing machine for the product itself and not just specific cuts or specific companies and producers? Like, why is it that they can do that and seafood can't really do that? Is it just because of the wide variety of species or is it because farm versus wild is still a thing for some reason? What, is, what do you think that reason is for that, that the other proteins have been able to make that happen and really market that protein to the family, you know, beef, it's what's for dinner. Uh, pork is the other white meat. Yeah. yeah, pork, the other white meat. Exactly. That's what I was trying to think of. Um, how can the other proteins ha- have the ability to do that? And seafood is just not, has not been able to make that happen. Any ideas? Well, I think, you know, the funding is, is one area. I don't know that there's any one organization that has the, the, the funding available um, to, to create those type of marketing efforts. We're, relying on social media and word of mouth and um, smaller organizations to try to spread the word, but we're certainly doing a great job, but to have that mass, the mass marketing dollars available to help with a campaign, we haven't had that to date just to promote the overall category. Has the government had any involvement in any efforts to get people, at least in the, in the U S to eat more seafood in the past? I imagine our government right now is no interest in doing anything that's beneficial for anyone. Um, that seems to tend to be the way. Um, I don't want to get political, but I'm wondering if you have heard of any campaigns or anything that have been government-funded or government-backed um, to increase the consumption of seafood. I know they did things like this over in the UK at one point with the vegetables. What was it, the um, five-a-day um, program that they had? Do do you recall anything happening in the U.S. surrounding seafood that uh, the, the government has helped with? I honestly don't know. I, I need to look into that. Wally would be a good person to talk about. I know because if you think about, yeah, I don't know the governmental. Do you, do either of you know that? I don't think any big push has happened. 
I don't know when the last. I don't know when the last time they uh, like did a revision or, or revisited the food pyramid was. That was actually 2015. Yeah, and okay. I, you know, they still have the same recommendation, but there's nobody really going out to to promote the category. I don't think. Right. I think you know we've got ASC, MSC, and us, but and then the Seafood Nutrition Partnership, but it's not an institute like the Beef Council. Like we don't have a seafood council. Hmm. So what do you think that we can do? Like for people that are in the industry listening to this podcast, what can they do if they are a producer or if they work in the marketplace? Like what are some ideas that you have that they could implement to help people feel more comfortable? I think just promoting the quality and it is important to know where your seafood comes from. I think creating that emotional connection to the food is is very important to people. I think just having it available and continuing to reinforce the quality of this protein because farmed and wild, it's all good. It's an excellent source of protein. There's numerous health health benefits and yeah, just need to keep trying. I think as a, as an industry, we can't, we just need to keep trying. And the more we spread the word, the more we talk about it, the more we promote um, and we try to cross promote, I think, as an industry, too. That's one thing that we try to do through sharing information via social media or on websites, any way that we can cross promote and share each other's messages to get the word out. Uh, seafood Nutrition Partnerships, you know, they want to make sure people get seafood two times per week. And the more we spread that, just trying to imprint, increase consumption overall um, then if people dine out and eat home, I think once their comfort level improves and increases, it's going to help drive the category overall, which is the ultimate goal. So we spoke with Jennifer Bushman a week or so ago. And for those of you who are listening in the future, we're recording this in April 2020, right in the middle of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, where we are all stuck at home speaking remotely. And we discussed with Jennifer Bushman about how that is affecting the seafood industry right now. And she said that she has seen some numbers of particularly frozen seafood sales increased by, what did she say, 70%? I think she did say 70. I, that number doesn't seem real, but I think, it's, I think it is. Just, you know, with people panicking and trying to stock their pantries and stock their freezers as much as possible, they're getting what's available and the, the beef and chicken goes first. I, I cannot tell you how difficult it was to find a place that could deliver or have a roadside pickup for frozen chicken nuggets for my kids. It took me four stores before I could find one. But, wow. And mac and, so, and cheese. Those are the so that tra- stuff is gone. Yeah. Eggo waffles, <laughs> mac and cheese, and, and, uh, and chicken nuggets. But that stuff is gone. So what are people going to get? They're going to stock up on, on what's available. And frozen seafood was, was, was what's available. So I'm curious if coming out of this, if it's going to be different when – we can go back to the stores and people can, you know, go back out to restaurants and stuff because they've been through this. They've almost been forced to eat more or different seafood because it's what was available and it's what they brought home and they realize that they like it and they start cooking it more. I'm wondering, and I can't predict the future. I don't know how long we're going to be in this situation, but I'm curious to see when we do finish up with this, you know, and we can start going out into public again, if that will change, if that those numbers will continue to be higher. I certainly hope so. And I feel like sometimes we've got to look at the positive, you know, in, in these, in these trying times. And 
you know, if, if we, if it, it brings families together, there's so many benefits of eating as a family, trying new foods, children learn by example through their parents. And if we're eating frozen fish at home and feeding it to our children, we're creating another generation of seafood consumers. And that's a huge win. So I hope to see that happen. And I, I love to hear the seafood trends changing. I do know that, you know, with changes in, in the way people are eating through this, that more people are, they're having to shift the packaging, you know, from restaurants to retail and to try to sell the product. So people are eating at home and, and that, that's, that's wonderful to see that they're eating the seafood at home. Yeah. So I'm, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what, what happens. My boyfriend went to his local grocery store a week or so ago, and he was planning on stocking up on getting canned tuna because he loves canned tuna. And obviously that's a good thing to have right now. And he, they were completely sold out of all canned tuna and sardines. That's oh, sardines sweet. too. See, I, I would yeah. expect tuna to go, be the first to go. Uh, I would expect that canned tuna is just a lot. People who didn't grow up on seafood still had tuna sandwiches. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. in my in, from what I've seen, very I, true. I, we we ate very little seafood in my house growing up, but what, there was always at least one can of tuna in the pantry so we could, you know, we could at least uh have a tuna salad sandwich or something. And so I think that I would expect that to be the first to go, but sardines that surprises me. Yeah. I was pretty surprised by that too. Great. Cool. You make three benefits. That's great. Yeah. So, Maddie, um do you you think you have some resources that you could send out to the this person that emailed you? Yeah, definitely. I also have another question for you, Sherry. So in the beginning of this episode, you mentioned the, I think it was FMI that did that survey that you were talking about. And it said that seafood consumption in specifically America has increased a ton since 2007. So if we're still not eating the right amount of seafood, that must mean that in 2007, we weren't even close to eating enough seafood. So it seems like we're eating more seafood, but we're still not eating enough seafood. Right. It's the highest level since 2007 at 16.1 pounds. So it's just basically stating that our collective efforts are helping to maintain the trend for more consumers to consume the sustainable seafood options. And I think, you know, just we keep trying and and that's the best we can do. So it's it's effort from retailers, from suppliers, from nonprofits. Since we don't have one specific marketing organization, it's it's a collective approach and we are making strides. So it's good to see and we'll keep trying. Yeah. So it's good to see that progress has been made, but I think we still have a ways to go. So thank you very much, Sherry, for your suggestions and ideas and all your information about this topic, because I think we haven't talked about it on the podcast before. And I think it's a really important topic that should be addressed more widely in the industry. Fantastic. Yeah, and we if if the listeners are interested in in global overall marketing for seafood itself, we had a really good discussion um a couple months ago we had a round table discussion. The topic was surrounding addressing farmed versus wild and getting rid of the word versus and replacing it with and. Um you know, we brought people in from different sides of the industry and talking about how we can come together and kind of be a whole seafood industry as opposed to farm seafood and wild seafood and so uh, a lot of interesting topics were brought up on there. They did talk about the five a day 
campaign in the UK, we spoke about what steps would need to be taken for overall marketing efforts for the product itself. And so it's really interesting. We'll have a link in that to the show notes. Make sure you guys check that out as well. Sherry, I think you were probably there when we did it, right? Or you probably listened to it at some point. Absolutely. So, so you guys have anything else for Sherry? Justin, do you have anything to say? Yeah, I don't know if anyone could hear me. My internet's been in and out, so I was... We hear you great, loud and clear. I was going to try to bite my tongue and not say anything for this episode to make your editing really easy, just <laughs> because I had to restart my computer. Well, I didn't restart my computer, uh, but I had to restart this call. Uh, we we were talking a little bit about, earlier on, the ep- on this episode, about the smell of seafood, and sometimes that can be a turnoff. Uh, but our kids love mussels. Mussels is my go-to seafood at home because it is cheap. And there are so many different ways that you can prepare it. And it's really, really quick. And it smells amazing. Especially when you have like a garlic butter sauce. Not, I don't, I'm not a fan of the, of the red tomato-based stuff. But when you throw in some garlic, white wine, and some coconut milk, man. Woo! That's not cooking. <laughs> You're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I okay. I'll deal. So that was my daughter telling me my son's in the bathtub, but there's no water running. So it's just you know that's a that's a perfect place for him to be. Then yeah, the last place I would probably look. Smart kid. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I we cook a lot of mussels in this house, and fish sticks is popular. I know that when we tried recording this episode the first time, Sherry spent some time talking about the nutritional value of frozen and canned food and how it, if it's freezed or canned at its peak freshness, all those nutrients are preserved. So it's not that they're worse than fresh. And that's for anything, not just seafood. Uh, my wife is also a dietitian, so we have a lot of canned uh, fruits and vegetables. And she tells me the same thing. It all maintains its high nutritional value so in unless the, it's canned fruit that's like canned with like syrup right syrup or yeah we ha- and we have Probably a hard not. time finding it, it in water for some reason you think that'd be the only ones there because everyone wants the syrup because you know kids love to drink the syrup for actually eating the fruit <laughs> but uh uh where was i going you got me sidetracked on, on that sorry <laughs> you're saying it's the same nutritional for everything value of frozen yeah uh so given the current pandemic that we're all facing it's kind of important to kind of get food that may last longer than you know doesn't expire get fresh if you if you can but frozen seafood canned seafood even will last will maintain its value and stay in your cupboard for a very long time so that you know if things get worse you do not have to go out to get food so that's my suggestion or my two cents if you can still hear me Maddie, you got anything else? Nope, I'm good. Thank you so much, Sherry, for joining us. Yeah, Sherry, is there anything else that you'd like to get out there while you have your have the platform? No, oh, thank you. Just keep trying seafood. <laughs> Don't give up. And if you have children and you try it once, children need to try things multiple times before they'll accept it. And the best way for them to learn is through example. So if they see you eating something, it's the best way to teach them. So just keep trying and maybe just per- purchase a less or prepare or purchase a smaller amount so you don't feel like it's it's a big cost or a big waste if it's not consumed. Just give them a couple of bites. And that same is for adults. Serve it with a couple of sides, prepare a smaller amount for the first time just to test it out. And if you like it, you can prepare, prepare a larger quantity for the following time. Seafood isn't the best leftover, so it's almost better if you prepare, prepare what you need for that night 
and then you know it's so easy you can prepare it again the following night in less than 30 minutes so don't tell my kids that because they have leftover fish sticks all the time well, <laughs> well, fish sticks i mean yeah i guess that's a little bit different i don't know if i'd have leftover uh, i have had leftover mussels before mussels i think if it's in a if it's in a broth if it's a yeah. soup yeah. there's there's a water base but reheating seafood it tends to be a little bit more challenging at least for me so it tends to be better consumed the day of but it's a personal preference if you like left some people love leftovers and they don't care what it is so yeah and i'm definitely one of those people i'm the leftover king that's great that's great um, waste I, don't, I don't like to waste so the way i use leftover seafood especially salmon is i'll i'll not reheat it but put it on top of a salad the next day mm. so i i prefer my leftover seafood um chilled as opposed to reheated yeah. So that's one way that I use it. But I definitely agree with, you know, stock up on the frozen or the canned because the nutritional benefits are great. It's, it's sourced at its peak freshness and don't be deterred by, by the fact that it's frozen or canned. Yeah, I think that's something that we really need to get out there. I think people are really, with everything, they're under the impression that if it's frozen, it's no good. Uh, you got to get it fresh, got to get it fresh. I prefer frozen stuff because then I know I have time to exactly. figure out what I'm going to do with it. And exactly. I just feel like I, I can trust it more because I don't trust. It's not that I, it's the, not the product. It's that I don't trust myself enough to know exactly when something is starting to go bad or not. You know, I right. don't have that instinctual thing. I'm not, I don't cook enough to have that instinct of like, uh, I think, I think I waited too long for this. I would either, throw it out prematurely or just be like, well, we're going to risk it, which I don't necessarily want to do. So I prefer right. frozen. But in college, you would risk it. But now that you're a, a father, you I didn't do cook the, in smell, college. The, the smell and poke test. And if it's a little soft and smells a little off, then whoop, in the trash. Yeah, that's probably true. All right. Well, Sherry, thank you so much. Uh, are you okay if, if our listeners want to contact you? Could we put your, your email? Absolutely. Great. So we'll have that information in the show notes for anyone who wants to reach out to Sherry and ask you some additional questions. I have a feeling at some point we'll talk more. We have had multiple requests for us to do an episode about getting kids to eat seafood. Um, we've touched on it here and there in other episodes. We had a short little tweener about it, but I think it's almost time to do a full episode on that. And Sherry, we may ask you to join us again for that. Um, maybe we'll have a couple guests. So. So thank you again so much. Thank you, dear listeners, for hanging with us and listening to our voices again. I hope everyone's doing okay. Hope everyone is healthy and safe and our thoughts are with those who are not doing too well who are in the hospital and um just want to let you know we appreciate you listening and we will talk to you next time folks that was our conversation with sherry clark as always we hope you enjoyed it we hope you learned something and we hope that everyone is staying sane and safe and healthy uh while they're kind of self-quarantining and, and social distancing and staying at home. So I'm glad that you chose to take an hour out of your day and spent it with us as we talk about seafood because, you know, we all need that distraction from everything that's going on. So, And shout out to John Mollison from Prairie Aquatech, who is the one that submitted this question. Awesome. Thank you. I didn't, I actually didn't know who sent that email to you. <laughs> yeah. John's awesome. Yeah, he is. So thank you, John. Thanks, John. Remember to follow us on social media. You can find us at Aquademia Pod on Twitter, and you can 
email us at podcast at aquaculturealliance.org. I would not recommend calling in and leaving us a voicemail right now because that phone is in the office and we are not in the office. So talk to us, uh, talk to us through email or Twitter is the best way to contact us. And lastly, make sure you subscribe to Aquademia wherever you're listening right now. Maddie, you good? I'm good. Justin? I, I am good. My internet is not good, but I'm doing okay. All right. Thanks again. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye, everybody.